Kia ora and welcome to Stirring the Pot, a new podcast series to explore the monsters we have created and trying to unravel where they came from and how we can fight them to create a better future. I found this quote from the Dalai Lama and I think it sums up the problem statement pretty well. So when asked about what surprised him about humanity, the Dalai Lama said, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money, then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health and then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he is never going to die and then dies having never really lived. The topics that we're gonna dive into and uncover all try to get at the causes of that problem statement. We may not get answers and we may not change the world, but we want to have some interesting debate and conversation to make you think and to find ideas and opportunities for positive change. We're going to stir the pot. I'm Nep founder of Mum's Garage and One Up, One Down. And I'm Elle, founder of Space Co New Zealand. We started this podcast because we were curious. We find as we go through our daily lives and grow our businesses that there were some big questions that kept popping up. Every time we'd meet, we'd have fascinating discussions. We wanted to open up these conversations to a wider audience, as both of us are passionate about exploring the purpose, principles and practices that help us live happy and satisfying lives. Each week on the podcast, we're going to take a big question and put it in the pot and stare. We're going to invite an expert to help us discuss and debate the topic and hopefully help us find some fundamental truths, some new ideas and helpful resources to help us keep learning and exploring. After the interview, Nat and I will reflect on what we've learned and how that can help us in our lives and businesses. We hope you love these awesome conversations as much as we do. So let's get going and stir the pot. Kia ora and welcome to the first episode of Stirring the Pot. We're starting off with a topic that has been playing on my mind for a long time. We're going to take a look at marketing and specifically dive into this big question. Is marketing ruining our lives and how did we get here? This is a topic that's important to me as I spend a good chunk of my time marketing my business. As someone that's growing a startup across New Zealand, marketing is one of my top priorities. However, I often feel kind of grimy about it. And even though my business is a sharing economy, it's about sustainability and its ultimate goal is to help people save time and make money, I still feel kind of uncomfortable with it. Here's a quick experiment. For one day, try and notice all the images, messages and media that you're presented with. Check in with yourself. Did that make me feel good or bad? Did it make me want something I don't have? Did it make me feel included or excluded? Does my mind feel lighter or heavier? Every day, we're bombarded with messages from businesses and media institutions that overwhelmingly are designed to make us feel inadequate, make us desire something we don't have, make us feel bad or not appreciate what we have. And the vast majority of marketing messages are imagery that represent a skinnier, more toned, more clever, richer, more optimized version of us, a version that is unobtainable for the vast majority of the population. And the results of this are a hedonic treadmill, a continuing cycle of wanting more, not appreciating what we have, and then wanting more again. So why have we allowed this to be normal? Why do we let these images and messages pollute what we have? Why is it okay to allow something so pervasive that is so overwhelmingly negative for our mental health? I'm willing to bet that if there was a drug that was proven to persistently make us feel down about ourselves, that would be illegal. So this week, I'm so excited that we're going to get to speak to a guest who knows marketing inside out 
and can help us understand whether minoring fearings, feelings about marketing are valid and help us understand how we got here and where we can go. We're extremely excited to introduce our first guest, Mike Hutchison. Mike is economist, entrepreneur, adjunct professor and a marketing guru. He has co-founded groundbreaking Kiwi advertising agencies Colenso BBDO and Hutchison Knowles Marinkovic and he was the managing director of global advertising behemoth Saatchi and Saatchi. He set up and ran numerous startups and is currently teaching the next generation of entrepreneurs at AUT. I first met Mike when I was studying his course at AUT. I can't think of anyone better to talk to us about this first question, so thanks for joining us. So Mike, just to set us off, one of the things that you've written about and the way you describe your career is, I've spent most of my life working out what makes people tick, figuring out what they want and why. And so that sounds like a good statement, particularly to do with marketing to get started on. So tell us about your background and your views on marketing as it is today. To me, marketing is everything. To me, marketing is the most is the highest calling in the land. Um, and I, I've um, I've got a friend who's a cardiologist, and um, I said to him, "Look, you may think you're important. He's got a Maserati, and so he thinks he's really important. And he basically mends people's hearts." I said to him that, in essence, though, you are a marketer, and we are all marketers. Since man emerged from caves, I don't know, two hundred fifty thousand years ago, we've had division of labour. Some people went off to be hunters, some went off to be farmers, some were bakers, some were homemakers. I mean, so we, we divide up and do the things that we are best at. And we go to people um, to get stuff off them, either their time, their services, their products, because they're better at it than we are. I mean, why would you buy a loaf of bread from somebody who can't bake as well as you? Why would you buy, or why would you eat a pork chop from someone who can't raise pigs as well as you. I mean, there are all kinds of things. So the, the notion of marketing basically is uh, answering somebody else's need. And one of the problems is we confuse advertising with marketing. Advertising is just a subset of marketing. Advertising is the window dressing. Advertising is the, is, is, is the invitation to the party. It isn't the party itself. The party itself is what marketing's about. And true marketing is about doing something so well, people beat a path to your door. And that's what that's what the essence of marketing is about. Marketing is about reputation. Reputation to to have something or do something that you do so well that people will in fact beat a path to your door. Peter Drucker, the, the, the management guru, says that business has only two functions, innovation and marketing. Everything else is a cost. Sales is a cost, manufacturing is a cost, um, accounting's a cost, distribution's a cost. People will actually come and buy your stuff if what you're doing is answering a need that they have. And that's the, really the, the, the essence of marketing. And, I, and we can't get away from it. It's not that we have too much marketing. We probably have too much advertising. We have competing, we have competing claims on our time and our, on our eyeballs. And we've got to sort of think through, do I really need this thing? Anyway, to go back to the, the earlier question, um, I think don't confuse advertising with marketing. Don't confuse the, the messages we are bombarded with with marketing because we are all marketers. And as I said, I think it's the highest calling in the land because if we're not marketers, we might as well um, drop dead. I, I find that um, that's actually quite helpful to me personally because both, well, well I'm, I have to market the business that I'm in and I've actually, particularly during COVID, have struggled with that idea of trying to um, market something that 
that maybe trying to speak to people who who are in a really difficult situation um and the separation of marketing and advertising as as two different things i think is quite a helpful thing to um to think about but i i still so, so if we reframe the question maybe is is advertising the problem um because the the problem statement is about that we are bombarded with these images that continue to make us feel bad about ourselves. And, and if that's advertising rather than marketing, marketing being, you know, answering someone else's need, advertising being just lots and lots of proliferation of images. How do we, how do we get there? Do, do you agree that, that there's a lot of, that that, that that does have a mass negative effect on people, that um, it's, it's maybe out of control or um, that there's something that needs to change in that front? Yes, I do. And I, I must admit, from a, um, a personal point of view, because I spent most of my life in advertising, um, I um, I got sick of it. And I thought it was it became a silly business. It's a silly business um, with, not all, not always, but it became a silly business because it, it, it was really just about, um, it was peripheral. And it was once over lightly, um, and I, I, I and of course I, I actually stumbled in, in it, into it um, myself because I, I I started my career in doing fine arts, so I thought I was going to have to be an art teacher because I, I, there's only two things I can do, and that's write and draw. And I realised that that, that uh, they're not marketable skills. I hate accounting. I, well, not because I, I don't. I actually did accounting for a couple of years. So I can do it. I can read a balance sheet. I can read a PL. I know um, what makes sense. But in the end, um, business accounting is really simple. And I draw it, um, I, I illustrate it as, as if it were a hot air balloon. Um, when you're starting a business, I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a commercial business, it could be a social business. You've got to make more money than you spend. Otherwise, you go broke. My illustration was, imagine you're in the Canterbury Plains, you're starting off in Christchurch, and you've got 12 months to get a big hot air balloon over the Southern Alps. Um, it's a problem, of course, because the, the wind's going the other way, but um, that aside, the idea is that you've got to make sure that you um, clear Mount Breakeven. And break, Mount Breakeven is, is the essence of your business. How much is it going to cost you um, to run your business? Pay yourself, pay the rent, you know, pay your staff, all that sort of stuff, and make a profit. And so the idea is that you start off at one end uh, in January with enough hot air in your balloon to rise gently, and as you rise up a month by month by month by month, after 12 months, you hope you've cleared the mountain, the mountain which is the, the, the mountain of break-even. And the more you clear it by is, is your profit. And that's what you've got to do. So and there are two there are two levers you can adjust. You can put more air in the bag to make the balloon rise higher and higher, or you can throw some weight out of the basket. Yeah? And in a business like advertising, it was all, most of the weight was people. And so we had you know, quite a lot of throwing people out of you know, the basket from time to time. And it became a, a, a kind of a, a, an ugly business because of that. I spent a lot of my time firing people. Um, and because, again, whenever, and because advertising in itself was such a, a peripheral business, and there's no right or wrong answers, just better or worse ones. And every time a client, a new marketing manager would come in to a, to a business, he'd fire the agency because you know, he felt that that was one thing that he could do, you know, what he or she could do, stamp their footprint on, on, on the business. And so I spent a lot of time you know, um, sorting people out, uh, either trying to retain the business uh, or if we couldn't retain the business, getting people aside and saying, I'm sorry, you've got to go. 
And that was really sad for me because a lot of them were really good creative people and it was just not a nice, not a nice, not a nice thing to do. But it wasn't until a time that I realised the thing that I love most is actually building a business rather than just doing the ads. And that's the key to marketing. Yes. Okay. So it, se- so it seems like mar- marketing is um, meeting a need. Good marketing is meeting a need better than anyone else yep. in a unique way. And then is advertising that that is having this negative effect is creating a possibly creating a want yep. and cre- creating a want ne- not necessarily to benefit the individual, the customer. It's creating a want to benefit the company. Yeah. It's a, I mean, um, if you if you've got a um, a business selling you know, left-handed widgets. Um, you go out there and run ads saying, you know, buy my left-handed widgets. And then somebody else will come along and say, look, I've got some right-handed widgets and you'll start a war. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and, and Or you'll say, no, my left-handed widgets are better than yours because they are blue or whatever. I mean, that's where advertising comes in. It's a kind of, a, it, it's, it becomes a very competitive game. And you've got to put a proposition together to explain to people, you know, to, to buy your widget as opposed to somebody else's widget. Mm-hmm. Your car as opposed to someone else's car. Your baked beans as opposed to someone else's baked beans. That's really how it begins. But if you go back to you know, prehistoric times, we were all living in caves. You know, it was you know, Zog the baker would say, you know, my bread is bigger than yours. You know, that's marketing. That just, just happens. And he was able to sell his wares better, better, than, better than anybody else. I think that's, um, that's something that I find like inherent in this problem statement. I'm not, I'm not sure that there's an answer to it, but one thing that you both taught me was that the way to do good advertising is to establish what the need is of the customer and then establish what their future vision is or what their future vision could be of their life and yeah. then create a bridge between it. And in creating that bridge, you're sort of crafting the value proposition of your business to say, this is this is how you can get to that future vision. And that's all well and good, and, and that is a, you know a good way to advertise your business. But inherent in that in, in that theory of how you do it is that you are making someone feel like they have something that they need or didn't think they need, or that they are deficient in some way. Is there any way to craft an advert or a message or some marketing that actually makes people feel better about themselves rather than that they are missing something in their life or are there any good examples of that or, or do you just disagree with the proposition that i put to you no no, no it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a legitimate proposition but but um i i don't personally believe i i, I never really um got involved and i didn't like any negative advertising um mm. or, or or um i don't think you make yourself bigger by making someone else feel smaller mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I think that the, the, the best ads, the best ads are those who, who, who had cut through and create a genuine preference for. Um, and some of that, and, and, it, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty um, ethereal and you can't learn it from a textbook. And that's where the creativity comes in. Um, creativity to me uh, is, is well, creativity has to have three things. It has to be original. Um, it has to... Um, have utility and it has to you know, present something that, that, that somebody wants and be it has to be recognized by others as being because you know a lot of people you know, certainly when you're kids you know, there's always some uh, wacko at school who who you know, paints their hair or dyes their hair purple and has lots of you know, body piercings um, and therefore they label themselves a creative that's not being creative it might be being a little bit different, but it's not necessarily creative. And there's a difference between uh, creativity and and um, uh, 
uh, I mean, you go to Bali, for example, and you know, everywhere you turn, there's a little um, stall somewhere with someone crafting little um, wooden models or, you know, or figurines or whatever it is. The person who first did one a thousand years ago was the creative one. Mm-hmm. The rest is just repetition. Uh, it, it, and that's it's and, and there's a difference between that that whole notion of, of um, uh, repetition as opposed to creativity. Um, and what we always tried to do in advertising was do something that was pretty original. Um, and the purpose, in my my view anyway, is uh, at a very basic level, advertising is telling someone you've got something to sell. Um, you don't see much toothpaste advertising these days because no one needs to be taught how to use a toothbrush anymore, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, car advertising isn't about selling the benefits of a car. Everyone knows what the benefits of a car are. So your advertising campaign is is selling the competitive benefits of your car as opposed to somebody else's. Because it's got leather seats or it goes faster or it's got you know, a bigger boot or, or whatever it is. So you know, that's the purpose of, of advertising. But if you're talking about cosmetics or fashion, um, I don't have a lot of I'm too old to worry about fashion, so I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. And I can't do much about I mean, I wish I'd known about Grecian 2000 when I was 26 because I had to go grey young. And I was like, oh, I can't give a bugger anymore. It's too late now. I'll just go grey gracefully. You know? and, and and after a point in time, you can't you can't help the way you look. You know, I can't. You know, I'm sorry I'm not Robert Redford. I'm sorry I'm not really Red Pitt. But you, know, you, you kind of live with it in the end. And you think you, you make the best of, of what you can do. And I, there's a great quote from, I think it was, Eleanor Roosevelt, or maybe one of the wives of, of, of the American president who was not um, Ivanka Trump, um, said, um, no one can put you down without your permission. And I think that it's so true. You know, if, you, if, you, if you don't feel good about yourself, um, you'll take everything as, as a slur or, 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 or a slight. So that's sad. And it doesn't help if you, you know, might be you know, the wrong shape or the wrong height or whatever it is. I actually wrote a column about it once. I thought because I'm probably wider than I am tall, I thought, well, what I should do is go to the gym. And 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 if I think if I was seven feet foot eight, I'd be in perfect proportion, you know, from my from weight. <laughs> and, 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 and all you can do is 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 either make a joke about it or or learn or learn to live with it. And yeah, it is sad to see uh, images and and empty images that the Kardashians promote, which really Turns me right off, um, and that's and, and that's a little bit sad because it, you know, it is in fact body shaming. But a lot of that is about internal. What I'd love to do is set up a whole campaign to people to say, look, feel good about yourself. You know, um, be um, be positive. Um, think of make the best of what you can do with 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 what you've got. And I think that, that one of the things I'm I'm working on now is a book on on creativity. I I, um, I wrote this simply. I get fed at well, yeah, um, kickstart your creativity. I think I might have shown it to you, but um, um, I think I told you that, that, that when I was at Saatchi's, I got Rebecca Webster, who's a psychologist, to come and spend a week in the agency with us and explain to me why non-creative people have such a difficult time um, being sold to by us creative people. Why don't our clients recognize our genius immediately and, and do what we say? And she said, well, they think you smoke stuff, and uh, but but a bit loopy and you've got to explain to them because and she put us through Myers-Briggs personality profiling 
And this is and my fascination with what makes people tick really has leapt onto that. And I didn't realize that, that only 24% of the population are intuitive by nature. 76% are non-intuitive. And intuitive people just kind of get it. They just know. Um, and and, and it, it was illustrated brilliantly in that movie, Good Morning Vietnam. Did you, remember, did you ever see that movie? Yeah, yeah. When Robert Robert Williams you know, does the radio truck and he got kicked out and that little sergeant took over. And he started to have a little beeping horn and goodness says what and um his cohort was saying, Look, you're not funny. <laughs> and he wasn't funny. And and and, and there's no matter how much he tried to tell tell jokes, it, it was not funny. And you can't and there's no way you can define there's no way you can learn that. You can't define it, you can't practice it, but I would encourage people to go to improv classes if they want to do you know, anything like that. But you know, some people are just they're just different, and I think that that, that that sadly is what advertising plays on. And the other factor, of course, is that half the population, by definition, has below average intelligence. And, sorry, no, I was going to say that that that's a really good segue to the to the topic of influence, actually, because um because because and and. And maybe the question is, do you think that people are, it's easier to influence people now, now or have, or has it always been how it is? Have people always been as easy to influence as they are now? Or is the fact that it might be easier to influence them now, meaning that we're feeling worse about, we're more exposed to the advertising that we're seeing? No, I think, it, I think it's, it, 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 we, all, we all had our heroes when we were growing up. Hmm. My problem when I was growing up, I had, I had back teeth. And I was, uh, I'm I falling off a swing and putting my teeth through my bottom lip, and I was always absolutely paranoid about about my my teeth and, and my bottom lip. So I wouldn't smile or know and would seem a big big chompers, you know. And uh, I'm being told when I was younger that I could core an apple through a tennis racket, and so it was it was it was, it was always. You know, and there was I mean we all had to bear those crosses, and as as we were kids, we were getting bullied or picked on. Crikey, I got bullied and picked on because I was the headmaster's son. You know? I'd either be sucked up to because of the headmaster's son, or beaten the shit out of because of the headmaster's son. It was, you know, it was, it was chalk and cheese. I think I, I learned to, I had a terrible stutter, you know, and, 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 and in class, of course, the, the teacher would ask a question, so I'd put my hand up, and then meh, 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 and he's like, next, you know, it just reinforced, right? and my stutter got worse. So you, you know, we all have to live with those trials and tribulations, I think, over time. I don't, I don't think that advertising doesn't particularly. Um, Prey on them consciously or de deliberately, um, but 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 um, it holds a mirror up to people, and if you feel that way, then sure, that advertising will make you respond in a, in a particular way. If you if you're if you are weak, and I say weak-minded, it sounds terrible, condescending. So, but if you can't think for yourself, it's the other thing too. Most people can't think. People do not know how to think. Yes. Mm. I read that um, there was a quote on one of your blogs by uh, Mark Twain. It's, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm, I'm a great fan of Mark Twain's one line. And, and another guy who, who, who I loved was um, oh, um, Will Rogers. Yeah. He said that, that um, it ain't so much that folks is ignorant. It's just they know so many things that ain't so. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of... Uh, and, and you can't help that because most people skim lightly over the surface. Not many people deep dive. Yeah. I, I don't know whether you've read um, Irvin Yellum's Love's Executioner. He's a, a psychiatrist, and he said that there, people are, are, are confronted daily 
with four major issues. Uh, one is that uh, we're all born alone. We're born alone, we live alone, we die alone, essentially. And so we compensate for that by having families and friends and goodness knows what. Second thing is that life has no meaning. So we invent religion and gods and other things to do. Um, thirdly, that we, we um, uh, are all going to die one day. You know, and, and so that we um, pretend we frantically sort of race around mm -hmm. and doing stuff to, uh, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Yeah. Um, and finally, we have free will, you know, that uh, whatever we do is really, in the end, up to us. You know, the old saying, if you're right, if you think you're right or you think you're wrong, you're right. <laughs> and, and, and so you're going to decide which side of the fence you're on. You know? Are you an optimist or are you, are you a pessimist? See, one of the things I also learned um, um, was on the way is, is you've got to figure out for yourself, and that's where that, and that you know, Micopedia thing we talked about the other day sort of comes in. You know? what, what are the tools you've got? What are the, what's, what's in your brain? Well, we've got stuff in our heads. And we kind of assume that everyone else knows what's going on in our heads. We don't, we all, even with our siblings. You know, we, I mean, my brother and sister, I had totally different upbringings, totally different. You know, we all lived in the same house and all for the part, we all went away at boarding school and stuff, but we're totally different. We've all had totally different experiences. And it's, and it's those experiences that you bring to bear every time you look at something in the world. You know, the way you, 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 however the world has conditioned us is, is gives us the lens as we look at the world in. And I remember um, when I left advertising, because I, 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 was, I was beyond my best before day, you know, and I knew I knew it. They kept paying me more money, so I kept on doing it, but I shouldn't have, you know, because I, I, I felt kind of dirty. In the, in the end, you think, this is probably not a good thing to do. You know? It's not good for your soul. Um, and I went to see Kevin Roberts, you know, the boss, of course, and I said, look, in fact, I rang his PA. This is a funny story. I, I rang his PA. So, look, I need 10 minutes with Kevin next time he's in New Zealand. Because he's, you know, come over once every three months. Next time he's in New Zealand, I'm going to tell him I'm going to leave. He said, oh, you'll need more than 10 minutes. I said, I don't think I will. <laughs> I don't think I will. Anyway, it had been two and a half hours. It was an amazing philosophical conversation. Sure. And, and he said, what are you going to do, Hutch? And I said, oh, I, I want to start a, a company called Lighthouse Ideas. I want to work with inventors and startups and just help people get their ideas off. Off the ground. I've been given some gifts. I'd like to give them a little bit. And he's all your man, and, and and I said, well, how do you come to your conclusions? How do you decide what you want to do? And he, it was really wise. He said, and he stole this. And that's my motto. Do I stole it first? Is my motto. And, and you know, Ecclesiastes one nine. There's no new thing under the sun. So I just was it Picasso who said the secret of creativity is being able to hide your sources. And and and. and and I think that, that that was so right. And Kevin said that, that he, he asked himself three questions. The first is, what don't you want to do? In a, in a world that we live in, we're choice rich. There are so many things we can do. Um, and we're spoiled for those choices. So the best thing you can do is actually eliminate all the things you don't like doing, the people you don't like being around, the people, the, the activities you don't you don't like. So your soul gets in a good, restful place. What you were talking about at, right at the beginning, Al, you know, how do we live in a, in a, in a happier place, a kinder place? Um, then the second thing you ask yourself um, is, is what do you want out of it? And at different stages of your life, you want different stuff. When you're younger, you might want cash, you want to buy a new car and buy a house and do the little. Um, um, or you might want your cover on the face of the cover of Time magazine, a woman's weekly, or you might want fame. Um, you, you know, but write these things down. So for me, I wrote down, I don't want to deal with liars, cheats, or assholes anymore. And then I wanted a stage of my life, I wanted to um, create wealth so I can look after myself, my family, and my old age. 
and then finally, um, you ask yourself, when are you at your best? Are you a morning person or a night person? Are you happiest in the city or in the country, in the beach, up a mountain, in Auckland, Queenstown, New York, Tuscany? Write it down. Figure out. And so you, you put yourself, So you, and, you, and, and it's really simple when you write these things down. And oh, well, that's the other thing. I, I wrote this book about 10 years ago um, called Relax and Grow Rich. And it's about how you have your best ideas when, 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 you, when you're relaxed. And HarperCollins published it. And um, the managing editor, um, a woman whose name I now forget, doesn't matter, but uh, she read the manuscript. And at the book launch, she said, this is a, this she wanted to have, make a speech. I thought, fine, you make a speech if you wanted. And she said that this book is so good. When I read the manuscript, I've resigned my job and I'm announcing here today at this book launch that I'm going to start a total new career because I realised I'm doing all the wrong things. And all she'd done was ask herself those three questions. Yeah. She realised she didn't want to deal with the people that she was dealing with. Now, she wanted to create something on her own uh, as well. And she wanted to be um, uh, go to a, a place up in uh, um, Dallas Bay and, and live by the beach and write stuff. Yeah. Uh, those, those insights are incredible. And it... I think it comes back to the point you made around that that's the kind of insight you can get if you think for yourself. And I think um, part of the thing that, that I feel about where we are with um, advertising today, and just bear with me while I um, describe this. So I think before we had this, um, you know, before we had social media, before we had the volume of, of things that come to us and messages that come to us every day, we probably did have more time to think for ourselves. Oh, yeah. I think there's a difference between, there's a, there's a point in, in, you know, the last few hundred years where I think we swapped from being producers to consumers. Like the vast majority of humans had to basically produce most of what they ate did entertain themselves with themselves um and the 21st century we now mainly consume and by consume i mean you know we go and we buy everything we need in the supermarket we consume netflix we consume mass media and all of that is filling up our head with stuff that it, it we never would have had that volume of stuff to fill our heads up with and it almost doesn't leave room in our heads to have those you know that thought train that you took us through around how can you become more you know tranquil calm relaxed at, at, at peace with yourself and understanding yourself so I think that's maybe what's switched and may be part of the problem same we described it'd be I'm just interested to get your thoughts on that do you think we've swapped from being producers to consumers and do you think that might be stopping people thinking for themselves yeah, I, I think I think you've made a good point. I think you're probably right. I, I think that, that and and I, I go back to the point. I don't think most people don't know how to think. You don't. You don't know. I mean, it's like when um, uh, your teacher you know, at school, you know, um, L, what's the capital of Battle Mongolia? Think hard, girl. Can't think hard. Mm. Your brain's got no muscles. Mm. Isn't that... <laughs> you're going to have a hernia, or, or, or you're going to fart. Someone that you're not going to have a good idea. Screenshot that face is the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true. The, the best, the best, the best, the best thinking you can do um, is when you're relaxed and happy and. 
And because I mean, uh, my gig is 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 art painting and drawing, sketching. I sort of do cartoons, and that's my happy place. Unfortunately, no one pays me enough for them to give me in the, in the style to which I'm accustomed. So I've got to kind of, you know, you, it's a trade-off. You know, you're, you're trading stuff off all the time, and hopefully, I can you know pull enough together to eventually make it happen. But I just know that if I sat here at my desk, um, get my drawing board out, and start sketching, three or four hours could go by, and it'll get dark, and I'll have forgotten. I mean, I'm, I'm in flow. You know, and, and and we should all try and be in that place that. Mahali Csikszentmihalyi tells us about flow, um, because that's 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 when you're in your happy place. And you're probably right. We we get bombarded with so much stuff. Oh, that's the other thing too. And I can't. And I I, I wrote a, I remember writing a blog about it years ago, um, about and it. Um, I think a behavioural psychologist had written it about dogs. You know, if a dog is injured, you know, gets hit by a car, or whatever it is, it'll wander around in circles, mimicking good behaviour. And we spend a lot of our lives mimicking how we think we should behave, the kind of way that we, the house that we live in, you know, the people we hang out with, the you know, the manners, the you know, the routines that we go in, because we, because we're not quite sure how to behave, but we 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 will attach ourselves to a tribe, one tribe or another, um, and and mimic that kind of behaviour that 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 tribe does. We, crikey, you see it in the states now in spades. You know? Um, and, and just lift the scab off a, a culture like that, and you see all the worst things coming out. People behaving the way they think they should, they should, they should behave. And times of adversity bring more and more of that stuff out. And I think as a country, we are bloody lucky, and 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 we should take some pride in the way that we have behaved over this whole COVID thing. And we're lucky to have a, a leader like 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 Jacinda. I think that there's no no coincidence that. The countries that have come out of the COVID lockdown best are those who've got female leaders. Yes. I, going back to what um, you said earlier, Al, about not having enough time to think as being one of the things that might have changed. Another thing that's I think might have changed is possibility. So there, it's so much more possible to um, reinvent yourself, to have a complete career change. Have a com it's affordable to have a complete face change. You know, you can spend a few hundred dollars on, on makeup and look like a totally different person. And that's, we're seeing that more and more through like Instagram, like individuals that are, are just um, making transformation seem really easy and possible. But we know that you, it's, it's, um, so maybe that's like, that's driving when there's more possibility, there's more, when things seem more attainable, um, people entertain the idea of buying the product or service more than they might would have, they would have otherwise if it didn't seem attainable. And, and we've seen that in the like the US is always that's been the culture behind the US, you know, the American dream, and they're one of you know consumerism is huge in the US. So I wonder if that's a change that's happened recently. And then it also comes back to the idea that you really can't change that change comes as a very internal thing, and it's being able to think for yourself that enables real change. So maybe there's this conflict behind what people think that they can become. They buy things to become that versus focusing on developing themselves and and learning and thinking for themselves. What do you I think? think right. And that, that's that's where that uh, we, we we that's where we mimic. We mimic, mimic. how we think we should look. How mm. we, uh, you know, we we'll pick somebody. You know, um, I always wanted to be Lawrence Moravia. You know, um, and and. and and it's interesting. And when I look, and I was going through an old chest the other day, 
putting up drawings I'd done when I was a teenager and I was right. And all the figures I drew were all solitary figures. And I remember thinking back at the time that that's how I saw myself. I always didn't I didn't see myself as a hopeless team player. Um, um because it, 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 it wasn't you know, I'd fire on the I could do a, re, a running relay. I had I've had the bat then to pass it on to somebody else, but acting in concert with other people um, was really hard for me. So you got to, and that's where you, that's where you see that's where you're right though. And you've got to when you have enough um, ammunition in your in your hardware box, you can help define yourself and think through what it is. Doug Hammarskjöld, the um, ex president of the United, United Nations, said the longest journey is the journey within. And it's so true. You know? How do you how do you find yourself? I remember at school one of our old boys at Nelson College was a guy called um, Adrian Hayter, and he was one of those first guys before with Francis Chichester did all that stuff. Solo sailed solo around the world, and the big joke at school was that he uh, didn't find himself, so he sailed back the other way. Um, <laughs> and, but but it was. And, and, and I thought that was that was just so true. And I, I was doing, you know, done a bit of, um, you know, sailing myself. And and I remember the first um, offshore yacht race I did, I hated because uh, offshore yacht races are long periods of boredom and quite short periods of absolute terror, and um, where you think you're going to die. And uh, I realised that then I was a gregarious coward, and I wasn't going to do it anymore. <laughs> you, you don't want to put yourself in harm's way. And but and that was an important lesson for me. You know? Because I could have, you know, at one stage when I wanted to go to advertising, I could have, I saw myself on the, uh, you know, it was, to me, it was, it was the, and that's the other thing, you see, because we all ape or mimic somebody. And I was, at that time, either it was a cost between Ernest Hemingway or, 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 or um, um, uh, Rons of Arabia, you know, off on my own, sailing solo around the world. And after it, then, sailing from here to Fiji and he to Numea, I realised that's not me. Home. It's too frightening. Thank you very much. And then I'll stay home. Yeah. And you know, and, and they're all sort of lessons, important lessons of discovery. And 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 and, and to go back to your original point, though, I guess well, that's really it comes into it. Yeah. Sure, we're bombarded with stuff. And if we suck, if we're suckers enough to give into it, it's because we haven't decided who we are. Yes. How do we? How do you? In your experience, how do you find the people you you mimic? I guess you either intentionally do it or you unintentionally do it. Right, right. By just your, you, you do it by your surroundings, or you find you find um, a character that you want, want to be like. I, I'm curious to know what what your process is around that. Well, well, I think oh, it's really a personal one, but my process when I was a kid, because uh, my father was headmaster of private school, so um, my holidays were at school with no one else there. So I spent all my time in the library, and and. I read Greek myths and Nordic myths, and my heroes were all, um, you know, um, Arthurian legends, Norse legends, Greek legends, Roman legends, um, and that's what sort of formed me. So I kind of naturally, I guess, gravitated towards people like the Lawrence of Arabia's and the Ernest Hemingways and the people, the the man alone and the Don Malden man alone syndrome, I guess, and so and that's where I've. And I think I can, in fact, I can remember, I can't remember the date, but I remember the day I realised that, that there were other people out in the world like me when I read Catch-22. Mm. Like, Catch-22 to me is the best, the greatest novel, novel ever written. And um, people say that Ulysses and some of the James, I, th- I found those too dense. But Catch-22 um, brought home to me 
and there were people who thought the way I thought. Um, and you know, and just and those seminal books that you read like that, Catcher in the Rye, Catcher in the Rye, there's something about catching in my head. But, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's that it's when you realise there are other people out there in the world who are just like you, yes. and draw strength. And I guess that's then those are the people you mimic, you know? or or their their values you adopt, or you you, you um, yeah. Yeah, you get validation. I I know I have some people that I um, it's and when you find those when you find those those role models, I guess that makes such a big difference. If you can find a role model that's really like you, but someone that is you know slightly ahead of you, it, it gives you a com a guidance, a compass, and a a, oh, a, yeah. a point. Yeah. Reference point. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure that we all find our moral compasses by literature or through literature or, or movies you know? mm -hmm. and um you know i think for me um it was only probably well when the movie good my father died when i was very young he took his own life and, and it was a thing i sort of carried with me as a as a, a badge of shame and it wasn't until i saw the movie goodwill hunting and there's a scene in it where robin williams the psychiatrist says that it's not your fault and that was it was really a seminal moment for me as just uh, 10 and 12 years ago um, so you, know, you carry those things with you all your life. So that, and it's, it's only by, you know, seeing, reading well, and and, and that's the other thing too. I think people should um, treat them rather than just reading airport pot boilers or, or, or Mills and Boone. Um, pick up, go and go online and pick up a. a, a I used to use Waterstone's top um, 100 novels of the 20th century, um, and just go through it and and read them all. I mean, I don't get a lot of time to read. You know, Novels, but you know, top 100. I probably read three or four a year, but that's 25 years worth of reading. Yeah, you know? um, and, and, and and that way you just pick up good stuff. You pick up. Ah, yes. Yeah. That is marketing, I suppose. That is marketing. That is good. That, 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 that is that is that is pure marketing, mm -hmm. and that's what Waterstones have done to sell their books. Mm -hmm. you know, these are the ones you should read. I mean, crikey, Spotify do it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, just you know, go on. I'm, that's another interesting aspect of this, though, just on that curation point, right? Um, because I think, and, it, and again, it comes back to this theme I think we've got developing around maybe the antidote is knowing yourself and thinking for yourself. But I think another danger of where we are with modern marketing and advertising is this desire to have everything curated for you. And again, you don't think for yourself. So look at Netflix. You go on there and it's curated for you which is telling you what you should be watching and listening. And you get this bubble effect of, or echo chamber of always oh, yeah. reading and, and consuming the same messages from the same people. It's the same with social media. You may also like it's um, Waterstones. Here's the, the books you, you might want to read. And then you don't, you, you end up uh, just reinforcing certain beliefs and, and not having the opportunity to think for yourself and understand People who are different from you, so I think it. I think it is important to find people that you that are role models to mimic. But there's there's a danger that you can end up just not exploring other aspects of yourself or, or people that are different from you, and that you end up in a in a more closed space than an open space. I guess for, for me, fortunately, um, all the people I admire were contrarians. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> so and uh, and so that 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 and and. That really always really encouraged me to to get off the, the beaten path and mm -hmm. take the scenic route through life rather than the motorway. Mm -hmm. And you're right, though, El. You're right. We we do tend to live in our own little echo chamber. If 
all we learn about is on social media. And it, it worries me, for example, um, that we're losing the notion of general knowledge. Mm. Because we think, oh, I don't need to know that because I can look it up. But if you don't know what to look up, uh, it doesn't help. You've got to, you've got to, you know, to, to, you've got to read widely and read well. And, and that's the best defense against yeah. bombardment of images that, um, because all they'll do is pummel you into one direction or another because you're too weak minded. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I just mean you haven't, you haven't strengthened your own, um, backbone enough to know what it is that you are. Yes, and I, I guess it comes down to that mimicking principle I think is so interesting because I guess it comes down to being really aware of the environment that you're in, that you're you're going to be mimicking, you, you, we, we have this desire to, to mimic a behaviour um, and I guess that's what advertising does, it tries to, to encourage you to mimic the behaviour that it wants you to do to buy the product or service, so you need to be I guess self-aware enough to know your environment and then remove yourself or put yourself into another environment or expand your environment so that your what you're mimicking is is what you well the influence you know the influence of what you're mimicking is what you want to be mimicking yeah. if that makes sense what you believe in you have to what know you yourself to know what you yeah believe in it's this Look, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, and, and you think, you know, what, 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 what tribe, what tribe do you want to belong to? What's important to you? Who are the people you like being around? What's the sort of thing that you want? I had um, we were, had an interesting thought experiment, and I'm interested in your um opinion on it. So, if we take the notion, I think a theme of our conversation has been an issue is volume. There's so much more volume of advertising and, and media messages. Um, and th th that's maybe part of the problem that the net effect of advertising is is negative on a lot of people. Can if there was a world where it didn't exist or it was banned, for example. So say for example there was no more radio advertising, there was no more magazine advertising. If you went in a supermarket, everything was white label, black text, baked beans on a can. Um, there's no TV adverts. It's like Christmas Day every day in New Zealand, no TV adverts. Um, which I love that. I love that rule about New Zealand. I love that there's no adverts on Christmas Day. Um, how would how would marketer, if you go back to your original statement, which is being a marketeer is, is about answering someone else's need, how do you do that without advertising? Or can you do it without advertising? And what would that world look like? Would it be better or worse? It was. You just have like, big monopolies who, who would... Uh, um, Monopolies would own you. They would freeze everybody else out. You'd be in Soviet Russia. Mm -hmm. There'd be no competition. It'd be very expensive. It'd be very bad. You know, it'd be crap, and life would be joyless. Yeah, you know, sadly, you know, the, the alternative was worse. Mm -hmm. The cure would be worse than the disease mm -hmm. because you, you, you'd only have you know, one brand of baked beans, and it wouldn't matter. And it, came, it would come out of you know, a. a a commune somewhere they had no incentive to make it better different um, wouldn't it be based on so just I, li I like this idea of the baked beans so imagine you're on a shelf and you have baked beans one two three four five going back to your original principle that you have to be doing something better than the competitor and and that's marketing that's you doing that that's you inventing something that's better yeah. well if i buy one two three four i'm going to go for the one that tastes better because that's the whole point of a baked bean is that it tastes nice right <laughs> it's, it's 
it, that it's something that I want to eat. Whereas at the moment, a lot of my decisions around which products I buy aren't probably, like, I don't know whether this is true, but I um, read somewhere that a lot of people in a blind taste test can't even taste the difference between white and red wine. It's all marketing. Oh, like, that, no, that, that's, that, that's very good. All, all wine is white. Uh, it only goes red because I happen to have a vineyard too. Of course, I'm one of the... If, <laughs> if you want to make a small fortune, start with a big one. And and and, and we, um, I've done lots of taste testing on on wine, and there's so much bullshit about wine; it's not even true. And the very famous uh, research exercise done by a uh, professor of oenology at the University of Bordeaux about five years ago, he gave sixty of his students a red and a white to 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 taste and describe. And the red, they said, was uh, rich, full-bodied, full of tannins, you know, long aftertaste, good legs, all the things you'd expect, uh, over, uh, overtones of currants and um, ripe berries and so on. The white, they thought, was thin, reedy, and inconsequential and very cheap. And all you'd done was put some red dye on the white wine. Not one of them, not one of them picked it. Not one of them picked it. Yeah, and, a blind t- and I've done that with beer too. I mean, people swear black, particularly lagers. I don't, I don't drink stone. I only drink um, Stella or whatever it is. Blind taste test mm-hmm. um, results um, no better than random. You know, it's just it, it, and yeah, no, you're very true. It's very true. So, so, but but that's the colour. Yeah, it's it's the story. I think the best thing about wine is the story you tell with it. Yes, uh, I, I I agree with that. And you you made a statement that life wouldn't be joyful without advertising. And I guess the joy the 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 why behind that statement is that. It's the storytelling and, and the creativity that you that you talked about before that's sort of in, inherent in that joy. But I do think there's something in if if you couldn't tell that story, it you'd have to judge something literally for its the value it gives you. So do you, it doesn't matter whether it's red or white or expensive or cheap. It's whether you like it, and that comes back to you'd actually be forced to think for yourself and make a decision about baked beans A versus baked beans B. And I wonder whether that. Yeah, but but but, but L, that's the trouble. And if there were you know all white labels, one, two, three, four, and five, next time you came to the supermarket, was it three or four that I bought? Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. It's yeah, it's really just badging. You know, it's just Good and that's brand. the whole point of a logo. A logo you know, tells a story in itself. Cool. Um, yeah, are there any final questions we wanted to ask Mike? Um, just the last two, the quick questions that we have at the end. Um, so I think, um, yeah, first one for you is, and I think you've actually given us a lot of recommendations throughout this podcast, but if there's, if people want to learn more about the subject of marketing, advertising, or some of the things that we've discussed, what would you recommend they read or do to learn more on this sub- subject? Um, Peter Drucker. Um, uh, anything that Drucker wrote on marketing is worth it. Um, if you want to learn about advertising, uh, David Ogilvy, Ogilvy on advertising. It's 50 years old, but still as valid as it ever was. Um, it's a great book, just written recently, called, um, called, 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 oh, I thought I had it here, um, uh, One Plus One Equals Three by Dave Trott, which is about thinking differently. Um, there are a dozen and one um, books on, um, uh, on, on advertising generally. But one guy who gives terrific insights is Malcolm Gladwell, uh, either in Outliers or um, um, oh, oh, Tipping Point. Um, uh, because it's a movable feature. It's a bit like this, you know, the periodic table when the Vice Chancellor asked me if I'd like to write a book about it. 
And um, I said, no, because the day that I put a full stop after the last word, it's out of date. So it's a living thing. So a lot of stuff that's online. Wired Magazine, watch TED Talks. Watch um, TED Talks. I mean, so Ken Robinson's talk on on how education kills creativity is one of the best TED Talks I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and just and just crawl through stuff that's online. Increasingly now, I'm, I'm watching podcasts, um, TED Talks, and videos than reading. I just don't have the time. And oh, and I've got Blinkist on my phone, so I'll read synopses of books. Um, now, if I think I need to drill down deeper, it's a long time since I've read a book of fiction, but most of the non-fiction now. And read good quality stuff. Uh, read The Economist. Read um, um, Wired Magazine. Read um, you know, stuff that, that, that is really current thinking and up to date. And just go online and, and look at what other people are doing. Steal their ideas. Yeah. You know, Picasso says, just hide your sources. <laughs> Pretend it was yours. <laughs> Um, last question. So, if Nat and I um, want to stir the pot with another topic, so something else that you think might be that we're ignoring in our day to day lives and that is holding us back from living and experiencing our lives, what might that topic be? Is there anything else that you think we should explore? Well, I think that's the rather than just magnet, the notion of creativity uh, itself. Um, the World Economic Forum last year said that the most the skills, the most important skills for the next decade are going to be complex problem solving, critical thinking, and creativity. Nothing to do with technical, nothing to do you know, with, with, with it's the, the steam rather than the stem. Mm. Um, and I think that, that it's, it's just um, uh, understanding. See, I believe we're all creative, but it's different. We're creative at different degrees. I mean, going back to making toast and jam is creative. It's not very creative, but it's creative. You know, we we are having children is creative. Having um, writing music and telling jokes, telling stories that's all creative stuff. And we should learn. If we can't do it ourselves, we should learn how to recognise creativity when we see it. Because I said to you before, one of the things that was really astounding to me um, is how few people are in fact intuitive. And when I realised that 76% of the population, because we, and, and when we did the test in Saatchi's, all the senior team, apart from the CFO, were on the intuitive side of the ledger. The only person who, who was on the non-intuitive side was the accountant. And I realised that our major clients at the time, which were Telecom and 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 Lion Nathan, um, even if as individuals they might have been intuitive, their corporate culture certainly were. So we were talking Swahili, and they were talking French. There's no point in shouting louder in Swahili to someone who doesn't understand your language. So you've got to adopt, be a chameleon, adopt the the mimic. Mimic, yes. Mimic and feedback to them in the way that, that, that they want it to. Oh, I'm going to host of stories I can tell you about how we did that. Yeah, and, and, and talk to them in their language and they thought that we were the same and we were just tricking them. Yeah. Interesting. That's actually a really good way to sort of sum this up is like, uh, it's advertising, I guess, is feeding people what they want to be fed. So then the question is teaching people. Maybe the answer is teaching people what they what's good for you know what they need to be fed to be healthy. Yeah, I figured we well, figure that because we're all different. Yeah. We're all different. True, exactly. Well, maybe we don't know. Maybe so. Well, yeah, it comes back to that teaching people to think for themselves. That's the yeah. bottom line. But even if, even though we are all different as individuals, in fact, we probably belong to one of about seven or eight tribes 
Mm. Every every segmentation study I've ever seen on any product range from literally baked beans to motor cars, you end up with about um, seven, roughly seven, um, sometimes five, never more than ten, never more than twelve segments of the, the way you break yourself up because we you can't break yourself up into six billion parts because um, we, we all actually adopt, we all mimic <laughs> the behaviour of the tribe that we want to belong to. And and we will find if and there aren't that many tribes in any given product. I mean, it's like um, political parties. In the end, there aren't that many. You know? um, even in really complicated countries, there are only probably a, a dozen or so different parties. We're lucky to have you know what, half a dozen in this country. Um, it never gets to be you know, all that many. It just gets more and more confusing. But you you decide which bunch of people you want to be associated with. Um, because you don't want to be laughed at at a dinner party. Cool. Um, All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Um, for well, I'm glad to help. I mean, if anybody want to touch base on the other things, I'm happy to help if I can. Yeah. It's uh, well for me. It's been a really well. If I just sum up, maybe I'll um, sum up what I've learned from this conversation. Hand over to Matt to give your final thoughts as well. But for me, I think um, understanding the difference between this marketing and advertising that that's pretty um, game-changing because I think I had been balling the two up together and separating yeah. the two and, and, and thinking about that is, is just helpful. As, as, a, as someone who is a marketeer and, and needs to market what they're doing, um, so thinking about those two things separately has been helpful. And then returning to the, you know, the sort of the antidote to not, being, not feeling miserable about all of these companies trying to sell you something that you may or may not need is understanding yourself and what you need and... Um, and thinking about ways maybe that we can all take the time to start to get to know ourselves better. Uh, I think time is a big factor in that with, with the recent lockdown. I think more people have maybe had a bit more time and that's that's positive. I think more people have had time to become producers rather than consumers. And I think that helps with that understanding of the value of something. If you make it yourself or you do it yourself, you can understand the value of it. So there is a glimmer of hope maybe that, um, uh, that we can take a bit more time to know ourselves. So that's my thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I echo what Al's just said. I think the thing that really has stuck with me, and sometimes you have these little panics about the way that the world is going, and then conversations like these remind you, oh, no, it's actually okay. <laughs> so I feel really grateful that this has um, made me feel okay, that the, the what, what it's really about is, um, I still think it is really about building things that are fundamentally better for people in the world. And over the long term, those are the products and services that went out. And there's always been noise in the market um, and people telling you what you should and shouldn't do and shouldn't, shouldn't buy. But um, I think, um, you know, over time, the world gets to a healthy equilibrium. And I think some of the principles that you've introduced have, have really um, made me feel that. And so thank you. And thank you for all the other little pearls of wisdom you've added in along the way. I've got so a list of things to, to read and think about. So it's been great. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, when the world is seriously broken, really, I mean, but it always was broken. Yeah. At least now we, we, we spend our time watching Netflix rather than going to the town square to watch someone being hung from and recorded. Right? Um, and you know, we don't feed people to the lions anymore. Mm. And funny enough, despite COVIDs and pandemics and the world's probably a safer place now than it ever was for a long long time right well thanks so much Mike. <laughs>
and um, soon. All right. See ya. See ya. So, if I like coming back to the, the original statement, which is 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 marketing ruining our lives, and how do we get here? Um, I didn't actually expect to get an answer from from the podcast. I kind of thought we'd have lots of discussion and no uh, real kind of like antidote to the problem statement. Mm-hmm. And I thought what was interesting was that we just kept going back to you know think for yourself, know yourself, and and actually that does make real sense as an antidote and I know that when you and me have talked about this problem before we thought maybe we might end up talking more about um maybe starting with what Mike talked about at the beginning which is that you know businesses and marketing and innovation and, and and for businesses to be successful you have to have something of value to people and that we'd go down a route of talking about well then you know is it about what value businesses create and is that good value and is it sustainable and, and all of those things so I thought it was interesting that it came back to the individual yeah yes actually that's just made me think of something, something else as well because sometimes people who really so some of the people that I've worked with that are fundamentally really good at what they do they have something that's unique and valuable they'll feel like they need to behave like advertisers like people that are um that are you know that they need something more to look and sound shiny that's mm. um so maybe that's another lesson learning for me and it's from my own experience with mum's garage that's really I can doing like marketing on social media does nothing really for for Mm -hmm. the business um it's just been uh doing the right thing over a long time and now almost all the work that I do comes organically Mm -hmm. word of mouth so maybe that's the um so just that's the other thing that we didn't so much get to in the podcast, but I'm really glad to, I'm really glad for where we got to, because I think that's fundamentally what it does come down to is like the individual's ability to work out what's good for them and what's mm-hmm. true for them and what's right for them. And the other thing for me is recognizing that, but just uh, helping people, helping biz- other businesses and business owners feel confident about the value that they're providing and trust the process that has worked always over a long time if you're if you're really good at what you do people will start to realize that you're really good at what you do and it doesn't have to happen immediately it doesn't happen six months in a year it happens three years five years ten years but then you build something that's really solid and really strong and got these really good authentic principles behind them and you don't feel awkward or bad about these marketing ex- advertising exercises that you're doing that um, probably don't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's it. Like, that, you know, part of the part of the reason I really wanted to have this discussion is, you know, in marketing my own business, um, I've always felt I've always felt that um, problem statement like that I mentioned when we were talking to Mike, which is even though my business I believe had value to people and it's a it's a business that's hopefully um encouraging more sustainability and i think it's an impact driven business it's a purpose driven business um at the same time when i am marketing it i am in some ways telling people that they need something they don't have already or that they should be doing something different or that they should be changing something and there's a part of that that doesn't quite sit comfortable with me because 
I don't want to be part of, I don't want to be more noise. I don't, you know, I don't want to be the noise I experience every day because I think it is very difficult to, as an individual to know yourself so well that you are completely unaffected by all of the, all of the things that you are told every day, like pick up a women's magazine and, and try and not feel in some way deficient, like just try. And I don't want my business and the messages I'm putting out there to be part of that noise. So to come back to this belief in, you know, if you have something that is genuinely of value to someone else and that, that it's about creating, um, you know, shared value together and partnering and, and being authentic to you and what you believe in and having really good discussions. And that's, that's maybe the way to proceed with it. Yes. And maybe that's the conflict with starting a business is like you need to get short term results in a way to survive to get the long term results. But then also like the, the need for short term, short, quick results is heightened with the sort of the startup culture, that, mm. that way of building businesses. Mm. And that's maybe where the tension comes. Is the need like what Mike talked about around having to get the parachute, uh, the hot air balloon over the hill to get the hot air balloon over the hill. You've got to get people to, notice you pretty quickly yes yeah yeah and how do you do that in a way that is responsible i think is a is a key word like re responsible for the impact that what you're putting out there is going how is it going to make someone else feel if that's something you can do as an individual like really thinking through and that's all part of you know customer-led design human-centered design is really having empathy for the person you're trying to talk to mm. and positioning what you're saying is something that is that is genuinely helpful um and that you have a shared intent of moving forward in the same direction i think that's something really key which is to really think about the impact you're having on someone else and yeah that that comes from a personal responsibility um that that, that that's yours as a marketeer and i think um another point from it that again comes back to personal responsibility knowing yourself and being responsible for what you're saying and doing that was very interesting that that Mike was quite clear that there shouldn't be more regulation. This isn't business's responsibility. This isn't government's responsibility. It's your responsibility. And I think that's interesting because um, ultimately that's the only thing you can control. You can't, a business isn't, isn't a human. It, we shouldn't anthropomorphize it. Governments aren't a thing. Well, they are a thing, but they're not something you can control. And it's just a mass of people. So it, it all comes back to individual action. So that, so important ah cool okay cool and then um maybe i'm going to throw one other thing in the mix and then we should um maybe also what we're feeling at the moment is a lack of our ability to build build in-person relationships in a way because we're so used to doing things online that we automatically think okay we need to market we need to do things what's the easiest way digitally like you know because um, it's so difficult to get out and talk to someone it really is like we know, we know this from having done customer discovery and then going out face-to-face -face, doing face-to-face -face sales it's so intimidating and scary so then the the alternative is is doing quick fire marketing i guess mm -hmm. uh what's it called spray and pray yeah <laughs> yeah yeah whereas um and if i think back whereas actually yeah the people that are really successful usually that i have worked with will get up and talk uh getting out and talking to people that's something i took from um i don't know whether you've read um becoming by michelle obama and she talks about um obama's original campaign and his success was grassroots like 
it, it was it was going to halls and talking to people to talking to groups of people meeting them and hearing them and uh, and creating a movement that way mm. and that's I, I I've always thought that was interesting as a sort of I don't know yeah another antidote to the way that we sort of fall back on the convenience of social media or that kind of advertising that is there really um any substitute for talking to people and getting that direct feedback and reading them and uh, and and I think that and that trust and that that also that goes back to responsibility because if you it's unlikely that you would you would put something out there that would directly upset or make someone feel bad if you do it face to face yes that's so true fraction with advertising isn't there that you're not actually seeing the impact it has on someone because putting it out there and yeah it's that abstraction that's maybe damaging as well yes Hmm. okay (laughs) (laughs) it's been such a i think we could probably talk for hours and hours on this but we should probably wrap up yeah yeah okay that was fun thanks for listening watching people yes thank you and if anyone has any um suggestions for topics that we could talk about and go find an expert to interrogate and hear their their stories um just let us know cool thank you